In part two of our season review series, we moved to Liverpool. Remember, we started from bottom, which was Chelsea, and we're trying to move up amongst the typical big teams. Talking about Liverpool, there's that one special Liverpool fan that always comes to mind, and that's why I had to have him on this episode. And that's my brother, Ovo. Ovo, how are you doing? So nice to have you here. Yeah, thanks, bro. It's nice to be back on the Empty Stands podcast. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a while. I, I think we we need to we need to do this more often. I, I always love you when you're here, so I'll, I'll probably disturb you a bit more. Uh, it's all good. I've been listening to all your episodes. I was laughing a lot in the Chelsea episode. <laughs> Trust me, it was it was like a comedy sketch. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was fun. I, I had a lot of um, United and Arsenal fans reach out to say, you know, they enjoyed it. I'm like, of course, you know, enemies will enjoy despair. So, what can we say? If they enjoy Chelsea, they will enjoy Liverpool as well. <laughs> I hope they do. I hope they do. I hope we can make this interesting for them. But yeah, let's talk about Liverpool and um, similar to what we did with the episode on Chelsea. We tried to start from the beginning and work our way to the end. So the beginning of all the drama, or the, rather the beginning of the season proper, was the summer transfer window last year before the World Cup. Now, I'm just going to run through some of the players that were signed. What I like about Liverpool is it's always a very short list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but it's always very short. So, in the summer, there was Darwin Nunes, the um, Fabio Carvalho. The, the deal was agreed like a very long time um, ago, before the window officially opened. So, Nunes, Carvalho, Carvin Ramsey, and Arthur Mello. Aw, okay. So... <laughs> I'll talk about the departures before we go into uh, some of the players. The big one, Sadio Mane, left to Bayern Munich. Nico Williams, left to Nottingham Forest. Uh, Takumi Minamino, he left to, to Monaco. Macro Grigic, you know, he's always been in and out of the team, going on loan from one place to the other, but he finally got his transfer to Porto. And I think the last one I'll touch on Oh, no, not the last. Ben Davies moved to Rangers. The last one I'll touch on is Divock Origi, who moved to AC Milan on a free transfer. So um, my question to you, Ovo, is how did you feel about the window in general and did the new players make the desired impact? Well, at that point in time, it was a weird summer for us because... We lost the Champions League final and the Premier League final and the Premier League on the last day, basically. So we won two trophies. We beat Chelsea, thank God. <laughs> we won two trophies, but at the same time, we ended the season in a disappointing way. But on the flip side of the coin, you can be glass half full and be like, but we almost won the quadruple. That would have been Klopp's legacy. You know how now the treble is Pep's legacy and it's what, it's what people used to say. This is what makes Man City, Man City team great. That would have been Klopp and Liverpool's crowning achievement to immortalize this team. So um, when Mane left, especially the breakup of the famous front three, it felt like um it was a 
the beginning of the end, like a new era of Liverpool. Not the end, like we'll be bad, but the beginning of a new start for us. And then we only signed down with Nunes, which was the, like the only major transfer. And then we lost a lot of depth, a lot of players that knew that role. Players like Nico Williams, Divock Origi, Takumi Minamino, players who knew that role in the team and allowed us to um, rotate and, you know, keep our main players fresh. But um, at, the, at that point in time, right, I was I was optimistic. I thought Nunes would do well. He played well in the Champions League, big goals against Barca and Liverpool, Ajax. But um, the main thing was that we didn't, you know, reinforce in the area. We all knew we needed players to sign, and that's in the midfield. So, um, yeah, I was disappointed in the window. But at that point in time, I was still, you know, optimistic because... I didn't think the midfield would be that bad, but I was wrong. Yeah, do you agree with the current transfer strategy? You know, at the start, I said Liverpool's transfer list is always very small. Um, do you agree with the way the club is going with regards to transfers? It seems like they delay when it comes to making those decisive moves. And this is different from Liverpool of old. You know, you saw Ivan Dijk, you went for you went for him. You know, you you guys were quick getting um the likes of Salah and a few others into the club at the time. Um but it just seems like in recent years you you tend to drag it out and at the end of the day it's like, oh there's no money. Are you are you okay with how your club is being run now in terms of transfers? Um to be honest, yeah there's there's always like two sides to look at things and on one hand i do believe like building a squad you need to ha- also like build chemistry build continuity and then um, sometimes you need to keep um the core of the squad there and build around it rather than just trading the full team and bringing in a new team some teams try to do that and you know it didn't work out for them but at the same time, I do wish we were more proactive in the transfer market because we we were on top. And in order to maintain that success, even though we don't have the riches of United and City, we should have at least tried to, you know, spend some money just so we can maintain that level we were because that can give us that little extra push that we needed, but we didn't. And when you're standing still in the Premier League, you're actually moving back because other teams are moving forward. Um, during the season, there was a time we lost the game and I felt like Liverpool deserved to lose that game because it just it just showed the lack of like negligence they had in the transfer market because we saw Man United spending heavy, 60 on Casemiro, how much on Anthony, how much on Martinez, Chelsea spending, Arsenal spending, Tottenham spending, City spending, even Aston Villa spending money. And Liverpool just signed four players, three of which we hardly even used. So we can't be doing the bare minimum and expecting to still be at the top. So yeah, it's very, very frustrating, especially being like a hardcore Liverpool fan because, you know, you want us to maintain the level of success that we had over the years. These are trying times for Liverpool fans, I guess. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. I, I like to be optimistic. Let's talk about the the season proper. Um, overall in the Premier League, I think you your team did fairly well. 
your home form was really good. Let's let's give Liverpool credit. You know, 19 games played at home, 13 wins, just one loss. Uh, it's a way that was a bit tricky, you know, losing eight of your 19 away games and drawing five. Um, but we'll, we'll break this down by looking at, you know, pre-World Cup and post-World Cup. So before the World Cup, Liverpool had uh, six wins, four draws, and four losses in the Premier League. It was a bit of a strange one because the fixtures were slightly favourable and then it just felt like there was this up and down going on with Liverpool. You know, this is a team that drew the first two games of the season, Fulham away, Crystal Palace, and then you lost United. You, out of nowhere, you beat Bournemouth 9-0, you're beating Newcastle, then drawing. Like it, it was just so much inconsistency before the World Cup. Um, so, over what, what do you think attributed to that? You know, was it just the transfer um, strategy of the club that affected the performances? Was it the loss of money, or was it Jurgen Klopp? You know, doing too much tinkering with his team. It's a combination of everything, to be honest. And then um, there was there's a saying: the fish smells from the head. And um, I believe like there were tactical problems alongside us. People say that, oh, if we signed Bellingham or whoever during the summer, I still feel that we would have struggled a little bit because we're not fundamentally sound. And um, it was just like the way we turned up to games, you know, because we've been so successful or were so successful last year, I feel like some of the players were relaxed during, during their matches. Like when we're playing Fulham at the beginning of the season, newly promoted side the player i felt like the player just came in like okay it's going to be business as usual but it's going to go there get our three points and get out while looking they were looking ahead but they didn't like focus on the tax at hand and it was like full and punched us in the mouth like mitrovic you understand and we were shook but we're lucky enough to get away with the draw and the same thing happened at um, crystal palace even though we we had a red card and you can, you know, say we should have won that game even without the red card. We were too relaxed and too complacent going into those games that we didn't start with the same energy that you can use to recognize Liverpool with. Then I guess my United, I'm sure if you remember, my United lost the first two games of the season. And then, you know, we beat my United 5-0 last season, 4-0, you know. So I felt like the same thing, they turned up like, okay, it's these guys, they're, they're, they're not good, we beat them a lot, we just go there and win. And again, they got punched in the mouth. So it was complacency and also like tactically, I believe like we're getting outcoached most of the time because Klopp was just going into games trying to do the same thing and it wasn't working, you know. So after those three results here, yeah, the players were not like, okay, I think we need to step up. And that's where you see the results against Bournemouth where we win 9-0 and we look like we're going to get back to our best. Then, you know, the performances fluctuate because the mentality of the team wasn't at where everybody went on the same page. You know, people were like complacent, players like Van Dyke, if I could call somebody else, players like Van Dyke, players like Trent, even though I love them, some of my favorite players in the world, I feel like they were not playing up to the standard they had been playing um for the last three four years and and yeah that was a problem at the beginning of the season 
I also feel like we had a lot of injuries. We were unlucky with injuries, no nets getting suspended. But for me, the mentality and then the tactics from club were, were, were not spot on at all at the start of the season. That's a lot to take in. And I agree with you that it's really not just one thing being wrong or going wrong. It's a combination of so many things. And um, we also saw that after the World Cup because Liverpool ended the year with two wins and then they started the new year, which is this year, 2023, with three losses in four games. And that's one game where you didn't lose was a 0-0 draw with Chelsea, which we all know for a fact that you were lucky. You were lucky to leave Stamford Bridge alive. Everyone knows that. Was it was, that was Anfield, no? That was um okay, sorry, that was the first one. Yeah, that was Anfield. Okay, yeah, that was Anfield. And you were still lucky because um we had a disallowed Kai Havertz goal. Yeah, you had a disallowed Kai Havertz goal. Um that was when Modric made his debut. I mean, it was disallowed for a reason because it wasn't a goal. But but like we're talking about very slim margins here. Come <laughs> on. Like and, and that was very early in the game. I think that was like uh third or fourth minute, so it was very early in the game. And I, I know that if that goal had stood or if maybe someone was at the right place um, at the right time, the, the match would have ended differently. And, and yeah, just that was one of Potter's best games. Like, Potter's best... Well, yeah, it was one of Potter's best games. And even Bruno's best game was also you know, against Liverpool. You guys can't beat... You know, the thing is, Ovo, let's be honest here. It has been proven that 90 minutes, Liverpool can't beat Chelsea. Like, that one is... It is a fact now because for what two years you just haven't done it. Even when you're two 0 up, even when Chelsea has a red card, and you've had a lot of favorable calls go your way, you know it's 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 strange, but we, we know this. You know, Liverpool and the the VAR is spelled B A R, but that's fine. Uh, I don't even want to get into <laughs> I don't want to get into all of that, but um, yeah. So the new year didn't start so well, but you know. That new year also came in with the January transfer window and the arrival of Cody Gakpo. Cody Gakpo was a player that was heavily linked to United, but Liverpool came from nowhere and, and stole the player. So I want to ask you about his impact. Do you think that Gakpo coming in um, kind of filled the void left by Mane to an extent and made the team more dangerous and dynamic, given that at the time, Luis Diaz was also injured? Um, yes, first of all, Gakpo coming in in January was actually the worst time for him to come in. I remember I was on a date and I was watching Liverpool Leicester in a bar, right? And um, Gakpo was in the stands because you know, we signed him around Christmas, but he couldn't play his first game until the first of January. So, this was before the f- the, the year had finished and then um, Gagpo was in the stands and when we were losing 1-0 the guy was pissed and I just knew that yeah you're not coming into an easy job and he came in and he was struggling in the first few games and everybody were on his neck I think Liverpool fans were a bit agitated because they wanted us to sign a midfielder and we signed it forward and then um, it looked like we're not going to sign anybody else but um, yeah he came in and he wasn't doing well at first i don't think anybody in the team was playing well but he was really struggling but against everton he beat the double o allegations only sancho has that do you know sancho had double o 14 and that's great double o 14 
And yeah. we all talk about him being 007. 0014. 0014 was crazy. <laughs> but anyhow, <laughs> Gakpo beat the uh, 007 allegations. And since then, he didn't look back. He he was good in the half spaces. was playing a lot like Firmino. But he has a better finishing ability. He has a nice strike on him. Um, one, one thing I like about him a lot is his composure on the ball. He doesn't really like to force things and is a way we can like keep the ball, retain possession high up the field and get our players forward. And with that, that helped our counter press a lot, which helped us improve our form over the, uh, the late spell of the season. Because we're counter pressing better, we're building up pressure better and we're able to pin teams down. And that's due to the ability of Gakpo holding onto the ball and making it stick. Because the other striker, named Darwin Nunes, who struggled badly, we all made fun of his first touch, his ball control, and his ability to hold up the play. Um, the other day, who scored does come with tweeting out um the strengths and weaknesses of players, and that was some of the weaknesses of Nunes, and um it showed why um we couldn't really maintain attacks during that period where we were struggling. So Gakpo helped solve that, and I'm really looking forward to watching him next season. He scored about seven goals, most of them were tap-ins. And um, which is just credit to his, you know, movement and off the ball um, chemistry with um, Trent and Salah and Gomez and Jones and, sorry, Diaz and Jones and all the other attackers. So, yeah, Gakpo is a very good player. Looking forward to have him having a good preseason and going into next season. And hopefully um, the team can get back together. Yeah, so in digesting all of that, one thing that really stood out is you said you were on a date and we were watching Liverpool. Yeah, um, we went to the museum <laughs> then. It was, we were going home then. I, I saw a bar and I was like, oh, Liverpool are playing. Let's go and watch. I think that was the last date I had with that girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tried to avoid, <laughs> I tried to avoid football when I wanted it. Because especially this past season, Chelsea were terrible, so I, I, I know it was just not it for me. <laughs> okay, um, there's something I want to ask you about. You know, you talked about the midfield, and you've mentioned it a couple of times. It was a big issue for for Liverpool, an obvious issue. But to be fair to Klopp, he tried to play around it, right? He had Harvey Elliott played in the midfield sometimes. I, I don't know if you were in support of that. Um, Curtis Jones got a good run of games, especially towards the end of the season, um, You know, taking up that responsibility in midfield, and he did quite well. I know that's one that you are very proud of and very vocal about. Then the young the young star, um, Balzatic, came in. Uh, I think his first game was Aston Villa. I, I can't remember. Yeah, um, Aston Villa, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. And he impressed. He did very well. In he kind of put himself out there as an option. And also towards the end of the season, we saw Trent kind of um, played narrower and try and control the game or influence the game from central positions. So to be fair to Klopp, he tried some things. But what are your thoughts on the things that he tried to do to circumvent the midfield issue? Um, okay, can I give like a long explanation, even though I'll try and shorten it a little bit? Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. So, if you remember Liverpool in that prime, right? Let's say from when we signed Van Dyke to last season. What made us very good was our build-up play from the defence and all the way to the attack. 
So we all know Allison, sweeper, goalkeeper, shortstopper, whatever. But the defenders, Van Dijk and Matip of Van Dijk and Gomez, they were very good ball players. So they were able to carry the ball forward and were able to maintain a high line. By doing this, Trent and Robertson were always pressing high up the field and then Salah and Mane were able to go inside, occupy the two centre-backs and to push it casually. Milner, Henderson, Emre Chan, Fabinho, um, Wijnaldum, anybody in midfield who just, you know, work hard, win second balls and then get the ball back, recycle position, get it to the guys with good final balls. This helped us to pin teams back and maintain, you know, possession, maintain dominance over all those teams. And you know, when they're young, when they're hungry, they'll be able to do this job very, very well. So over the years now, obviously your legs run down and then Fabinho and Henderson were run to the ground. So they weren't able to, you know, perform like that anymore. And that's why during the season, immediately you get immediately we lose the ball, we're not able to win it back because we're not able to maintain you know that constant pressure that we had then a player gets it down the down the right hand side and they were on the ropes and we considered a lot of goals lots of goals like that and then people blame trends for that but i felt like it was a tactical issue which is why i feel like um we were getting out coached at the start of the season but to bring it back now with the midfield let me put it this way if Prime Liverpool year, Fabinho Henderson Manadam played against the midfield of Elliot, Bajetic, and Thiago. What do you think will happen? They will get pressed to oblivion. That midfield won't be able to survive. So we went like the direct opposite of what we were used to and what brought us so much success. I don't know, maybe we tried to like change the style of football or become too neat and tidy with it, but it wasn't Liverpool and by just watching them, you notice that we lost our identity. Do you understand? So, um, at the end of the season, we brought in Cosy Jones, who I believe is a very underrated player. Um, I don't want to compare him to any midfielder now, like any past midfielder, whatever. But his his career projection reminds me of Serge Gnabry, because Gnabry was at Arsenal and he wasn't really rated like that was having cameo appearances but Arsenal fans needed that guy immediately like Sanchez and they didn't see his quality and they let him go but if you actually watched him while he was at Arsenal he was showing those qualities but he didn't get the opportunity to perform consistently which is why I was always upset with Liverpool fans saying this guy is not good when the talent is always is clearly there so when um, he got his chance and immediately because, you know, he, he works hard, he presses very well, he can maintain position. We're able to then at least pin teams back and create more chances and counter-press a lot better. And then Trent coming into midfield helped our build-up, which Kunati and Fabinho weren't really good at. And then this helped us get a few results. I know we scored a lot of set-piece goals and everything, but at least it was a start. So um, I, I do appreciate club for like trying to change things at the end of the season, but... At the start of the season and in pre-season, you should have noticed that, yo, this is what is happening. But he didn't change it and decided to put fit in um, some of his favourites. And players like Elias, Bajetic, Thiago, Henderson, Fabinho. And, you know, they let him down a lot. So, um, yeah, the midfield has been very bad. But we've signed McAllister now and hopefully um, 
we get a few more players and we can get back to the intense Liverpool that we saw over the last six years. Well, I think your midfield is maybe not as bad as everyone thinks. I think your midfield is a player or two, maybe a player away from being close to what they used to be. I think Fabinho lost form last season terribly because he's someone that played football at a very high level. And um, it's, I don't know whether it's, you know, age or the stress and pressure of being, you know, at 120% every time. Every year, you know. Yeah, it really caught up, uh, caught up Fabinho in in the season and he's, he kind of, you know, stepped down in terms of performances. So that loss was a lot bigger than people um expected or anticipated because he used to cover up for people's lapses, cover up for mistakes. And, you know, that's why that position as the deepest midfielder is very crucial because you can make everybody look good. He can also make everybody look bad. Yeah, he can also make everybody look very bad. So, um, I think because he lost form, it affected the team. And if you add... I'm not a fan of Turam. To be fair, I, I don't know if that is what Liverpool needs. He has the energy, yes, but uh, I think he kind of runs too much, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> let's see. I would have loved for Liverpool to get the Gallagher. I don't know why. Yeah, maybe because it's a Chelsea player that wants to sell. But <laughs> I think <laughs> I would have liked for Liverpool to go after a Gallagher. But um, there needs to be proper cover for Fabinho. And I'm not sure that Barzetic is that person. It's not me looking at him and saying, oh, he's young, he's skinny. That's not really it. It's more about, you know, that that bite, that presence that Fabinho provides or used to provide at a very high level. I think if you don't get somebody to cover for him, if you want to play to Ram, maybe on the right, it's McAllister, Fabinho, uh, or whoever, and then Turam on the right of the midfield, or maybe Turam on the left, McAllister on the right. It, 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 it could work, but I don't know about Fabinho's form, which is why I feel like that needs to be addressed. It's unfortunate that Liverpool is not going for a rice. It's unfortunate that Liverpool is also not interested in Caicedo at the moment. I haven't seen any strong links um, so far. So it's a bit unfortunate, but I think if you get that one player that can cover for Fabinho or is better than Fabinho, then Liverpool's midfield will be all good. That's what I believe. Mm, I feel you. Bro, I have like a little theory, right? Let's move Masis out of it. But don't you feel like the amount of games Liverpool and Chelsea, this is no excuse for our bad season, but the amount of games we played the last few years affected us going into the season? Yes, I, I agree with you. It, it did. Because you lot did the Super Cup thing and the um, the oh, you reached two finals. Yeah. You know? And remember the other season, you went like how many games? I think you broke the record of number of games Chelsea, Chelsea played, something like that. So, I don't know. I feel like um, with the World Cup again happening, I feel like both our teams lost a lot of like legs for the last few years. And teams like Arsenal, who hardly played any football, were able to almost capitalise on it. Don't you think? Yeah, I, I believe so. Because Arsenal were able to play 
at a high level with high energy for longer. For Chelsea and Liverpool, we were one. It felt like we were one press away from a player getting injured, and it it, it was very scary. You know, players run up and down, and then you see them touching their waist. They're tired, and I'm like, is this guy going to get injured soon? And before you know it, you hear, oh, uh, okay, look at Diaz that got you know knocked out for a long period of time. There were injuries to almost everyone in that Liverpool in that Liverpool team. Uh, same with Chelsea, you extensive injury injury list, and that's because of, as you said, the serious number of games that both teams have played over the last what three years. It it's kind of caught up, and it's unfortunate that it all happened. <laughs> you know, it was all going wrong in 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 this in this season or the last season rather. So yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but you know we learn from it. Luckily for Chelsea, there there's no European football next season, so. The team can focus all their energy on the competitions that they are available for. For Liverpool, you have the Europa League, but it does provide an opportunity for a club to rotate. And sometimes I see the Europa League as a blessing in disguise because the level of opposition is not very high, at least in the group stages. So that means that you could really push in some youngsters, the the Barzitich, the Javi Elliott, and those or that overhyped youngsters in my book that are in your <laughs> academy. <laughs> you can bring them out and give them the opportunity. Let's not forget uh, Marcus Rashford. That's how he got his big break. He started a Europa League game before the match against Arsenal. He scored, I think he scored two or so in that game and then played against Arsenal, scored two. Yeah. So he got that. He got his opportunity in the Europa League. Callum Hotonodoya, Chelsea, got his opportunity in the Europa League. You know, there are players like that and it presents an opportunity for club who we know um, can give these youngsters a chance. It presents an opportunity for him to give you know some some guy a chance, and then before you know it, Liverpool have found the next gem. So it's a blessing in disguise to me. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. But you know, speaking about the Europa League or cup competitions, um, Liverpool had um, a very short run in the domestic competitions. You got knocked out in the Carabao Cup to Man City. Uh, the fourth round FA Cup defeat to Brighton after needing a replay to get past Wolves. <laughs> no, but let, let's talk about Liverpool and Brighton for a bit. Like, it, it, it kind of felt like Brighton had your number. Bro, Brighton put hands on us throughout <laughs> the season. <laughs> I don't know what we did. I mean, it's over. I mean, it's, oh, God. McAllister... What's his name? Pascal Gross, Jesus Trussard. Christ. <laughs> and you, Trossard, bro. Um, the way Brighton were giving it to us in that 3 0 game, I, I have not seen a team give it to us like that in a long time. Um, this guy, this uh, centre back for you guys that was alone at Brighton, what's his name? Cowell. Cowell. That, that kid is good, you know. The kid, the kid, is, the kid is good. We're trying to keep him, but let's see how it goes. You guys should keep him, man. He's very good. He had, I won't lie, he had Salah on, on toast in that three new game. And um, I know you, you've seen the Ice Spice memes and everything for, for, for Joe Gomez. <laughs> Look, this season was fun. For me, it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch because it got to a point where Chelsea and Liverpool were equally shit. Even though, yes, you, we now became more shit than you. But there was a point where we were both dragging. 
you know, we're both shit. We're both looking like we're not going to make European football at some point. And it, it was, there was comfort in knowing that we were not the only ones. Yeah, not there alone. To be honest, that's how I was feeling with Chelsea. As well. <laughs> I, I could rant and be like, oh my God, we just did rubbish. This is a stupid match. And then Liverpool would go on to lose. And I'd be like, oh, and I'll see your rants. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> Ah, it was it was good until you know you guys got your your shit together and then Chelsea did not. So. Bro, I never want Chelsea to ever be good when Liverpool are in the mud, because that Trent and Regime's debate is hanging mm. by a thread. Even though I think it's not even close to be honest. But, no, it's not. It's not close because Regime's can't stay fit. That's we know the truth. You know, yeah, admit it, but you know because of because fitness. Of, <laughs> yeah, Regis just can't stay fit. And I, I say this everywhere. I don't believe he's going to fulfill his potential. That's just my personal... I, do, I don't believe it. And that's just because I don't trust Rich James to be fit. We'll go into the new season and I expect that between November and December, he'll have a, his usual maybe one month, one month plus injury. It, it just happens and it's tiring. And I feel for the boy. I hope he can get it right. But I, I, I don't see that changing. But quickly in the... In the Champions League, yeah, you guys had. Let, let me. I have a story to tell you. Yeah, do you know that Liverpool Champions League game? I was very excited. Um, Champions League nights is always different at Anfield, you know. But something I don't know. I felt somehow that day, and then we had an early lead. I was watching on a live stream, so I got the notification before we scored, and. I wasn't moved straight face. I just did like two claps. Quiet. Because I we were not on form during that period. I knew anything could happen. So new. I didn't celebrate nothing. And this was just because um you know Real Madrid did that thing last season, all those comebacks. So I was just focused, locked in. But after that second Salah goal, everything just came crumbling down. And I wasn't surprised at all. Because I saw it coming. You know, it's like when we're ahead, all our players lost their head and they started like moving mad. I don't think if um, any other team in the Premier League were tuning up ahead against Real Madrid, would crumble the way Liverpool did. And that includes Chelsea. Because you guys would, you know, know your role and you, you sit back and you try and defend that with all your life. But Liverpool, Henderson, uh, Bajetic, Fabinho, Trent, Gomez, Van Dijk, Alisson even made a mistake. They just became gung-ho and their heads were gone. And Real Madrid, the experience they have with the um, calmness they have, that's so decisive. They took their chances and they put us to the sword. Um, it's, I, I love Klopp and he has given me some of the best moments of my life. But he was also the one who gave me 7 to Aston Villa. He's also the one that, you know, gave me this 5-2 loss to Real Madrid. And I feel like this should be one of the biggest, you know, meltdowns or disappointments in Liverpool history in terms of European competition. And you know how um, Liverpool, we pride ourselves on our European history. That was very bad, you know, very, very bad. And um, I think that should be the lowest point of the season, losing 5-2 like that in front of the fans after... After going up to New York. So um, at that point, I was really, really sad. And I felt like them. I don't like critiquing these players because because of what they did. 
you know i don't know if you have sentiment like that towards some chelsea players but yeah, for this team yeah. for this team it was you don't want to call van dyke out you don't want to call salah out you don't want to call Trent out allison out because of you know these guys have fought so hard to make your dreams come true give you the premier league title give you the ucl and all those things so it really hurts me because um it felt like okay it looks like this is the end you know so yeah that was that was a very hard one to take i'm not gonna lie yeah i feel you brother i feel you but now that there's no ucl football for liverpool next season do you see a way back into that top four i want us to take the europa league seriously let us respect that competition um I know it's not, we don't like it, like the Europa League account tweeting about Salah and Henderson all the time. Like, bro, act like you, you guys have some self-respect. <laughs> but they're always talking about us. And um, I want us to take that competition seriously and try and win it. If you're in the Europa League, win it and respect the competition. Because winning breeds winning. Um, when Arsenal got slapped up by Porto, as a Porto, Sporting, the fans were like, what okay we doesn't matter we have other things to look at we're going for the prem i'm like bro you you first of all you don't have any european history at all but i don't think that's the right mentality to go into things so i feel like um it's where they deserve to be in the europa league and since that day they should perform to their best and try and win it because it's also an avenue to the ucl and an an extra trophy that we can have in the cabinet and then a way to like you know boost some of the confidence of the new players because guys like Nunes, Gakpo and all these guys they haven't won so since this is going to be a new team let them write that story Firmino has written his story and he has left and I'm sure his um, send-off might have inspired some players like Diaz and Gakpo and Nunes to say okay it's my turn to write my own story so let them you know go into the off-season get prepared come back and say I want to be like that. When I'm retiring from Liverpool, I want my trophies to be more than what Firmino had. And then um, let them go and write their own story and do their best to win us as many trophies as they can. Mm, that's a good one, Over. Take the competition seriously. You know, Let the players uh, step up, bring you home, get into the Champions League and take the, the next steps from there. It's important, yes, to to want to win trophies no matter how irrelevant it may seem because it just helps in you know um building that mentality it's very mm -hmm. important and exactly. i as i always say about the europa league i always say that <laughs> if you want to prove that it's not your level then you have to win it you have to exactly like exactly if you, if you claim to be bigger than the competition then clearly <laughs> you should be winning it but when you don't it shows that you know the, the 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 distance or the difference between you and those teams there is not as big as you think. Because Arsenal, if if you tell any Arsenal fan before that Europa League encounter, you know, before the draws were even done, playing against Sporting, you'd feel like, yeah, you know, Arsenal would who, who, who are Sporting, Arsenal would knock them out. But then Sporting showed that, you know, there's a difference between me and you, yes, but over two legs, I can bridge that gap. And that shows that you are not entirely beyond that Europa League level. That's how I see yeah. it. Yeah, I feel like it showed at the end of the season. 
Yeah, and it showed at the end of the season. Yes, it showed at the end of the season. We, the haters, were able to feast. And we did <laughs> feast. We did gain a few pounds from celebrating. Bro, I'm going to turn into that Arsenal podcast so much. <laughs> <laughs> the, I really, I really cannot wait for that. I really cannot wait. See, I might even be a guest. I won't say nothing. I'll just be in the background. <laughs> I, know, I, I would love that. I swear, <laughs> I, I would so love that. No, it's going to be fun. It promises to be fun. Uh, but now to round this this episode, we'll just do a bit of keep sell loan just to see where um, over you stand on some of the players in the squad. So I would name a player and you let me know whether Liverpool should keep sell or loan the player. I'm going to skip some players that I believe are safe. Now, this is me as an outsider believing that the likes of Allison, you know, definitely a keep, Van Dijk, definitely a keep, Salah, definitely a keep, Diaz. You know, it's a few players like that. So I'll skip some players. Mm-hmm. But if I miss anyone that you feel is not safe, you can let me know. Uh, sure. But yeah, major players, I won't talk, talk about the second choice goalkeepers and all of that. But So I'll skip the goalkeeping department because um, I don't really care about Kelleher and Adrian. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yes, I'll start with the defense. Konate, keep so alone. Keep, but bench. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you think Liverpool should be in the market for a centre back? Yeah. Okay, I'll skip Van Dyke. Joe Gomez. Sell. Hmm. I thought I saw you on Twitter doing the sun will shine on us again. It will shine, but not in Liverpool. <laughs> Bro, Gomez has had two career alternate injuries. He he yeah. needs to get regular football. If he doesn't, he won't get back to his normal self. So, so wish him the best. Okay, okay. Matip. Keep. Nathan Phillips. Sell. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I should talk about Rhys Williams. But mm. I, I, don't, I don't think I know that. <laughs> Okay. Robertson is a keep, so I don't need to talk about Robertson. Keep, yeah. Yeah, Simicas. Keep. Trent is safe. Calvin, Calvin Ramsey. He's gone on loan already. So He's gone on loan. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's good. Fabinho. <clears throat> Why are you thinking keep. about it? <laughs> Why are you thinking about it? Keep for now. I'm worried. Okay. Uh, Bazetic. Loan. Curtis Jones. That's your boy. Keep. Is this over the biased over speaking? No, no, or... no. Dennis <laughs> Keep. He was our best midfielder. Okay. Uh, Thiago. Keep. Are you serious? Keep on bench like like Kunate. Okay, okay. Uh, Keita has gone. Melo has gone. Jordan Henderson. He, we won't, but sell him. Henderson isn't good enough anymore. All right. Uh, Harvey Elliott. None. Okay, I think Carvalho has gone, right? He's still there, but loan him as well. Or to be honest, sell him. I don't think he's that good. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Uh, I think your attack is more or less safe. But, Darwin Nunes. Yo, Darwin, yeah. I, you know MMN, yeah? When you put all your money and you lose it. 
<laughs> yes. I invested in Darwin Darwin coins and yeah, I didn't receive I didn't see no returns, bro. Um Darwin had a terrible season. Even there's no way you can like slice it. Was missing chances. Jota and Gakpo almost came in and outscored him. You know, Jota was injured a lot this season, missed the World Cup and everything. They almost came in and outscored him. I think they both got seven and he got nine. And that's that's crazy. You know, even though you got injured, it doesn't matter. You know, so I would sell, no, I will keep Darwin Nunes, but he really needs to step up. And I'm not talking about scoring in, you know, when we win 7 0 or stuff like that. Yeah, be the yeah. difference Very much you know yeah. Drogba even though we, we all remember Drogba as a prolific striker right he, what made him stand out as one of the best strikers in Premier League history was the amount of winning goals or the amount how clutch he was I don't know the stats the amount of winning goals he scored but we all know that Drogba was clutch in big moments when you need someone to grab the game by the scruff of the neck, like uh, Graham Sooners would say, Drogba was the guy. So I need Darwin to beat that guy. So that's a keep, right? That's a keep, and show me what you can do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you don't keep on bench. <laughs> now let's keep and show me what you can do. Okay. <laughs> keep, and I pray to God. <laughs> okay. So, so to round up the episode, um, Firmino has left the club and I just want to know if you feel the club should be targeting a replacement and if you do, who would you suggest the club gets? Um, We already have like a perfect Firmino replacement and that is Kodi Gakpo. Um, Gakpo plays a lot. He doesn't play like Firmino exactly. I believe he's faster than Firmino and he's he strikes the ball better, but it's the same unselfish manner. Gakpo is willing to do the running, willing to press, willing to hold the ball up. So I feel like he's a perfect uh, Firmino replacement. And um, yeah. Okay. Let's see how the, the season goes with Gakpo um, more or less leading the line beside Salah and I believe it to be Luis Diaz ahead of Jota. Let's see if that is enough with your new shiny toy, McAllister, and maybe one other midfielder. Let's see if that's enough to to get you guys back to where you want to be next season. But do you think Liverpool will make top four? Uh, bro, I believe we should go for the title again. Because mm, okay. whether you like it or not, yeah, the core of our team has experience in chasing City down. And I believe, like, when we almost won the league those two seasons, we also got to the UCL final. So we are able to, you know, rotate and balance multiple competitions at once. And even though I believe, like, someone playing in the Europa League can't win the Premier League because of travel and everything, I believe, like, our squad is the best equipped to still try and break that cycle and win the Premier League whilst competing in the Europa League. And um that should be the target. That should be the target every single season. People like saying, um, because you don't want signings or because you're not shouting on Twitter about signings, that you have a bad mentality. Yeah, yeah, you want mediocrity for the club. But 
I believe like is wanting to win all the time, which shows your passion and desire for your football club. And um, even though you want to be realistic sometimes, I do believe the team can win the Premier League and compete for all all trophies again. And this time, hopefully, we'll get it right. Okay, so this is the sun will shine on us again moment. The sun, bro. The sun will shine on us again. <laughs> some, right. some of the players won't be there to see the sun, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's expected. Some players will not be there. But, Uvo, thank you so much for coming. This has been a very good episode talking about Liverpool. And I'm excited about the new season because it seems... Everyone is making moves. Newcastle is getting Tonali. That is, I never imagined that. But that feels like you know, a football manager or a FIFA career mo- uh, mode kind of signing. So Yeah, not even the kind of, is when you add another manager for AC Milan, <laughs> so you can just accept the bid. I swear. <laughs> like, it, it feels too good to be true. I'm sure Newcastle United fans are excited about it. But they don't even know who he is, I beg. <laughs> I said they're not watching Champions League, so now yeah. <laughs> he just adds to the excitement. Adds to the excitement. and those kind of players. <laughs> you know, it during the time of uh, Damian Comoli, that would have been on Liverpool. That would have been Liverpool's number one <laughs> target. <laughs> World prowess. You, you get you get you uh, World prowess and maybe one of those other English boys and call it yeah. <laughs> That is good football knowledge for me. You know Damian Kumoli. You're familiar <laughs> with his game. I see. Man of signing Charlie Adam and Andy Carroll. <laughs> ah, Bro, I've seen three four times. I swear for me it was fun. And I was still ten toes down. The sun will always shine again. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh thanks you for coming. Um to our listeners, thank you so much for sticking with us. We had the empty stands and We'll continue the season review series with Manchester United next. After that, we'll go to Arsenal and then end it with Manchester City. Thank you so much for uh, being with us. Thank you so much for supporting us throughout this journey. Cheers and bye for now. See you on the next episode. Bye.